My name is Velma Vouloir, and you are listening to Controversy. Welcome back to Controversy, everyone. It's me, your hostess, Velma. Thank you, as always, for stopping by and for taking the time out of your day to listen to the show. Maybe you're on your way to work or coming home from work. Maybe you're at the gym. Actually, I get told a lot of you like to listen to Controversy in the bath, which is such a beautiful way to podcast. I'm envisioning the fantasy bath right now. I'm just going to pretend that's what you're all doing when you listen to the show. You've got a deep claw foot fancy bath you've got your essential oils and your bath bombs surrounded by plants and you've got a big glass of wine that's my fantasy bath 100% for me they almost never look like that but I like to dream I think the last bath I had was almost cold by the time I got in because my water temperature is so terrible and my partner was like ferrying in kettles of boiling water just to warm the water up and then my cat knocked over a plant so there was that there was dirt on the floor and then my son needed to use the toilet so by the end it was just the three of us plus the two cats in this tiny bathroom with zero relaxation happening for me (laughs) just like every other minute of the day except I was wet and cold. So yeah, there's that. If you are in the bath right now, I'm wishing you the best bath ever. Top up the bubbles, shout politely. Can you shout politely? Is that a thing? Uh, We'll make it a thing. Shout politely at someone that you live with to bring you a nice wine or a tea or something and enjoy. And if you are on your way to work or at the gym and I'm talking about something so wonderful, like having a bath, I'm sorry (laughs) if you're jealous and if I've upset you. Um, Let's all just pretend we're having a bath together or probably not together, but definitely, yeah, definitely not together, definitely alone, but you know, as a, as a community of listeners, I guess. Um, Cool. That was a strange tangent to start on. Let's move on. Let's talk about last week's episode real quick. So you all really love hearing about feet. Hey, (laughs) or was it you love Ivana Deloon? Or maybe it was both. But uh, yeah, last week's episode was hugely popular. I loved recording it. Ivana brings me no end of joy just in general, but she's also so incredibly knowledgeable. We recorded so much content in her apartment. I think I had to edit the episode from an hour and a half down to that 53 minutes you all got in the end which was not easy and it still ended up being the longest episode by far but I do love guest episodes I love getting the opportunity to be just conversational and a little bit more relaxed it's so nice to listen and learn and have that pressure taken off a little bit you know so yes thank you Ivana we'd love you and Everyone, keep your eyes peeled for so many more guest episodes to come. I cannot wait to share those with you. Oh, and a quick note on last week's episode on foot fetishism. I did receive a couple of messages from people asking about references for the Chinese foot binding aspect, which Ivana delved into in beautiful detail. So I did pop some on the Patreon. So there's some images and links there if you'd like to check those out. I did, however, make a conscious decision not to 
include images on the Instagram and Facebook just because it's a public platform. Chinese foot binding, it can be quite upsetting and confronting visually for some people. And I just didn't want to take any chances. I wanted to respect that. So I'm not trying to censor it. I'm just trying to be considerate of the content. Yeah. So by all means, if you're curious as to seeing the results and process of Chinese foot binding, it's a process that so many women suffered through for over a thousand years, all in the name of eroticism and feminine beauty standards, then just do a quick Google search. It'll take you there. But yes, do be warned. It does involve broken bones. It involves extreme biological modification. So do just be aware of that. Yeah, I just wanted to tell you guys why I wasn't popping those images directly on on Instagram for everyone. So there's that. And speaking of Patreon, we have some new patrons. So thank you so much to everyone who's signed up recently. I've said it before, the direct contributions you make either via Patreon or PayPal literally keep this show breathing. So to Dan, Sally, Keely, Kirsty, Scotty, Bruce, and Elisa, you're all stars. My new patrons, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for the support. Also, just a quick one to remind you that our Controversy launch competition is running until this Friday, April 23rd. So you've got a couple more days to enter. All you have to do to enter is follow Controversy and Velma Fulois on Instagram and rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or rate and review on Facebook if you don't have an Apple ID. And you can win a huge $450 prize pack from Controversy, Maison Burlesque and Barb Pigalle. So check out the post on Instagram or Facebook for all those details. So yeah, not long to go. So enter now. It takes less than a minute. I'll be announcing the winners this Saturday on the social channel. So keep your eyes peeled for that. So this week's episode, we are heading back to Stripperville, back to Bellyland, and we're going to talk about yet another striptease legend that deserves to have her story told and her legacy remembered. It is none other than the fiery redhead, the Tempest in a D-cup, Miss Tempest Storm. Now, I had actually planned to save Tempest for a future episode, but Tempest, who is still alive, she's 93 years old at the moment. She had her birthday not long ago. There's actually some fundraising going on at the moment for her from a fabulous organization called Burley Cares. So I wanted to talk about that with you all. And then it made sense that we go for a bit of a ride into the exceptional life of this legendary sex bomb who is one of our greatest living burlesque legends. So before I get into Tempest life, let's just real quick talk about Burley Cares for a hot minute. So Burley Cares is an official nonprofit charitable organization intended to assist senior legend burlesque and variety performance artists. It was founded in 2018 and was created with the vision of helping to close the gap on the needs that so many senior legend performers face after they're no longer able to make a living performing full-time. Burley Cares vows to assist senior legend performers with referring them to already existing programs that can help them to donate medical equipment and supplies to combat and decrease isolation or loneliness and raise money for emergency needs as needed. So that was just a little spiel from there website as to what their sort of mission statement is. It's a wonderful group of people working for the organization. They do brilliant work and they're currently fundraising for Tempest Storm. So Tempest needs surgery that is imperative to her health and survival. And she's also going to need full-time care for at least six months post-op. So Burley Cares is aiming to raise $8,500 US dollars and 
100% of all donations are going directly to helping Tempest through this surgery and aftercare. So I just wanted to let you know that that's out there. I know we're all in different sort of financial situations. There's no pressure to donate, but I just thought I'd let you know that that's happening in case that is something you wanted to donate to. I'll make a post with all the info on how you can donate. It's either via PayPal or Venmo. Go check out the website. It's burlycares.com. We have this opportunity here, not just to honor a legend of this art form, but directly give back to them and show them that they really matter to us in a really tangible way, which we don't often get to do. So if you can consider donating and making a difference to the quality of life for her. So I've just asked you all to help this woman, this feisty, incredible woman. And some of you are probably like, who the heck is this lady? Well, I'm about to tell you. So listen up. First of all, got to quote my sources. Sources for this episode come from Behind the Burly Cube by Leslie Zemeckis, the Roger Ebert interview from March 24th, 1968, burlex.com, a 2016 Toronto Sun article by Liz Braun, a 1999 article from The Chronicle by Stephen Wynn, and the 2016 documentary directed by Namisha Mukherjee called Tempest Storm. Tempest Storm was born Annie Blanche Banks on February 29th. She's a leap year baby in 1928 in Eastman, Georgia, which is a tiny little town. It has just over 5,000 people living there today in 2021. So I'm guessing that figure would have been much less in the 1920s. Tempest never knew her father as her parents separated before she was born. And she describes her stepfather as being one of the meanest men on the planet. She grew up picking cotton, working on the farm and shelling peanuts for work from a young age, as well as juggling school, which she dropped out of in seventh grade after just turning 13. She says she hit puberty at 13 and began receiving multiple unwanted male advances, which when declined turned to male aggression. Tempest has come out as a survivor of multiple sexual assaults and rape in her early teens, including attacks from law enforcement as well as her own stepfather. And she says that that assault really was the final straw and she knew she needed to get out of Eastman or she wouldn't survive. And like so many who long for a happier, more glamorous life, Tempest escaped Eastman in her imagination and dreamt of Hollywood and the starlets of the silver screen. She tells this gorgeous story about how when she was younger, she believed that the actors on the movie screen were actually behind the movie curtain and she gets so excited and thinks about them being back there after the film is finished and what she'd say to them if she was ever allowed back there, Uh, which is just so naive and beautiful and wholesome. So at age 14, she's been through so much already. She packs her bag and she runs away from home to Columbus, Georgia, where she gets a job as a waitress and starts living in a boarding house at 14. At 14, she meets a Marine who comes into her work all the time and they decide to get married at 14. And apparently after 24 hours, they were both like, what have we done? They immediately annul the marriage and Tempest goes back home. But life isn't any different or better than before. So at age 15, she runs away from home again and gets married again to a shoe salesman. 
And later on, Tempest says that the reason she got married was because back in those days, once you were married, your parents lost legal control over you. Your husband then became your guardian instead. And she just needed to get away from the abuse she was suffering at the hands of her stepdad and others. So after six months of marriage, Tempest realizes she still longs for Hollywood and she saves up $600 and... To be fair, I'm not sure if that's $600 in today's money or $600 back then, but she saves up her money and in 1945, just after World War II ends at age 17, she's on her second marriage at age 17, she leaves her job, she leaves her husband and she leaves Georgia for good. She arrives in Los Angeles and begins working as a car hop at Simon's Drive-In and car hops were like the... The waitresses that worked in the parking lot of drive-in restaurants before drive-ins were drive-throughs. So everyone just like pulled into the car park and a waitress would come over, a car hop would come over and then you'd order, they'd bring you a tray with your food on it and your cutlery and everything. That's what a car hop is. Then soon after she learns that job, a job as a cocktail waitress opens up. So she lies about her age, she's only 17, and she begins working as a cocktail waitress. So one day, a man in the lounge that was a a customer told her that she ought to go into show business. And of course, Tempest is like, well, that's exactly what I think too. But she says that she was as far away from getting anywhere in Hollywood as she had been in Georgia. So she asks him if he has any suggestions or any leads. And he says, sure, become a stripper. So this gentleman, whoever he was, arranged for an audition for Tempest at the very famous Follies Theatre in LA, where the talent manager was a woman named Lillian Hunt who is a very famous woman in her own right in burlesque. She kind of ruled the roost and managed and taught and kind of had the final say in a lot of what many very famous burlesque dancers did in their early careers. So Lillian gave Tempest a job in the chorus line, which paid $40 a week, the equivalent to about $570 a week today. And Tempest was over the moon. She couldn't believe it. It was by far the most money she'd ever made in her life. After three weeks, Tempest was offered a raise to $60 a week, so about $850 a week if she would strip. And stripping wasn't initially what Tempest had in mind, but she was having fun and she was loving the money. So she thought, what the heck? And she tells this great story about how she was so nervous the first time she went on stage as a stripper and Lillian was in the wings behind the curtain, like whispering and telling her what to do as she was dancing. And then somehow, some way before Tempest even had the chance to take her gown off, it just fell off by itself. And Tempest says that that's when she learned the basic rule of burlesque, which is no matter what keep moving amen goals and rule I can't tell you how many times something hasn't come off or a zipper's got stuck or something's you know uh, it happens all the time but you just gotta keep on keeping on A week later, Lillian told Tempest, or Annie, as she was called at the time, that she needed a stage name. Uh, You know, Annie, Annie Blanche Banks just will not do as a burlesque name. And Lillian gave her a choice between Sunny Day or Tempest Storm and... She said that she felt sort of given her attitude and feelings towards everything she'd already been through growing up, she much preferred Tempest Storm. She would also later in life state that burlesque was 
as it is for many performers, incredibly cathartic and healing and empowering for her in regards to overcoming the trauma she had faced as a child. She said that it enabled her to have pure control and autonomy over her body, which obviously she hadn't in the past. And that's something I see that I love seeing, especially in my work as a burlesque teacher. It's it's really powerful and really special to be able to create that space for people to be free to love themselves and explore themselves and to heal and regain their sexual self-expression. Tempest became an immediate attraction in the world of burlesque for a lot of things, but particularly for her large breast size and her cascading orange curls. Tempest is to most burlesque fans kind of the iconic redhead. She's not the only one for sure, but definitely she's up there for me as being that ultimate redheaded vintage beauty. Her dance style is so very individual. No one dances like Tempest. She's Hmm. She's very, very subdued and she does all of these beautiful undulating rolling movements with her wrists and her hands that match the movements of her hips. It's very clearly inspired by belly dance. She does as well so much iconic floor work, these leg feels and lunges and back bends and drop squats. That woman must have had quads of steel and her movements are very repetitive she sort of just hypnotizes you she'll do the exact same thing kind of four or five times and she really just draws you right in tempest is a really personable performer in comparison to someone like lily sincere who i've done an episode on not long ago so Lily was all about, you know, the evocation, the image. She wanted to be larger than life. She wanted to sort of portray the goddess. She wanted to be untouchable and divine in her portrayal of sensuality. Whereas with Tempest, there's an element of cheek to her and she's much more on the audience's level. Despite being super glamorous and gorgeous, she's definitely playing the role of the femme fatale, but there's always this little sparkle underneath of her true personality, which is just so endearing and you just want to see more of and she never lets you have it. And I don't want to say, you know, she's a girl next door type because she's definitely not. That's not it either. But there's a a playfulness to her that I really love. So the same year she debuted, she performed in Las Vegas for the first time at the Embassy Nightclub in North Las Vegas, the old Las Vegas. And then later on, she headlined at the Dunes, which is now the Bellagio, and the Hacienda, which is now Mandalay Bay. And then her big break came in 1952 when she took part in the Mickey Awards, which was kind of a spoof of the Oscars and it's meant to be silly and funny. Someone had seen her burlesque show and thought she was a bit of an up and coming star and invited her along and she made the most of it. She rocked up in a vintage Rolls Royce and a gorgeous black gown and she was presented with the award for the biggest props in Hollywood by Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis, which naturally is referring to her chest, the biggest props in Hollywood. She made the papers and at that moment that sort of became her big break and everyone suddenly started to flock to see her in the burlesque theatres. 
as well that same year, 1952, this is more of a sidebar than anything, but she agreed to have some burlesque photographs of herself taken at the El Rey Theater that people could purchase, sort of like a mail order sexy, a mail order nudes thing, I guess, you know, before the internet, you had to mail order your smart from the post. So those were taken. They're a gorgeous set of photographs. Some of them you may well recognize. And sometimes you still see the originals pop up for sale and they're always out of my budget, but I would kill for one. So there were a set of 14 photos for $2 and they were taken by none other than a small time, no name, wannabe film producer by the name of Russ Meyer. So that set of Tempest is credited as being some of his earliest work in photography. And as some of us know, he went on years later to become the daddy of sexploitation cinema in the 60s with films like Valley of the Dolls and Faster Pussycat Kill Kill. And you know there'll eventually be an episode on Russ. You can count on it. But yeah, that's just a, a fun little factoid for you. So we're in the 1950s, we're post-World War II, people are out and about, they're living life to the fullest. The 50s were the last hurrah for traditional burlesque before it started to really die out towards the end of the 60s. And this was Tempest's time. The 50s was her moment. She was a huge star. In the 50s, she very famously had an affair, not only with Elvis Presley, but also with then Senator John F. Kennedy. In 1956, she signed a record-breaking 10-year contract with the Brian Engels burlesque chain for $100,000 a year for 10 years, which is just a cruisy $974,000 a year by today's standards. In 1957, she insured her breasts with Lloyds of London for a whopping $1 million and legally changed her name from Annie Banks to Tempest Storm, which is something hardly any performers do or have done. Tempest was not only a huge celebrity on the stage, but also as a photographic pinup, and as a feature film star as well. Throughout the 50s, Tempest appeared in feature films, French Peep Show, Paris After Midnight, Striptease Girl, Bucks and Beauties, and of course, what most of us know her from 1955's Teaserama alongside Lily Sincere and Betty Page. That's the, um, the film where Tempest and Betty do the reverse strip act where Betty Page is Tempest's maid and she's brushing her hair and helping her get ready. You see it pop up as a gif or I see it pop up as a gif all the time now. But yes, that's where that act came from. In the late 50s, Tempest Storm falls in love with musician and movie star Herb Jeffries and the tabloids went absolutely wild for this union. It was the 50s, interracial relationships were still highly criticized and Tempest management told her she needed to immediately end the relationship or she'd be fired and lose her huge contract. She refused, she loved Herb, she spoke out against segregation which had ended not long before in America and vocally declared that it was ridiculous that people shouldn't love one another based on skin color and no one was going to tell her how to live her life. Which let's just take a moment to applaud that, you know, to be out in the world as a celebrity in the 50s. You're already controversial because you're a stripper. You are your own woman making all your own money. You're owning your body. You're in charge of your career. And then on top of it, you're in a public space and actively speaking 
out against racism and being like, fuck you all. What's wrong with you? You know, like that's, that's unreal. So true to her word, she did not end things with Herb. In fact, in 1959, the couple got married and also true to their word, she was fired from her contract and was actually blacklisted in a lot of venues for marrying Herb Jeffries. And while this didn't completely stop Tempest from working, it did have a huge impact on her career and it never quite recovered from that. Tempest and Herb had a daughter in 1963. However, Tempest left family life to continue her performing career and Herb and Tempest divorced in 1969. Tempest Storm continued to perform until she officially retired from regular stage work in 1995 at the age of 67. However, she has done extra performances since that date as well. In 2004, she was officially inducted into the Burlesque Hall of Fame. And in 2010, Christina Aguilera remarked in early press interviews for the movie Burlesque that she would be playing the lead role in the quote, Tempest Storm movie. And I saw that and I was like, what? For those that know the movie Burlesque, look, is it a masterpiece? No. Is it full of rhinestones and gay icons? Abso-fucking-lutely. But regardless of your thoughts on it, it is about a farm girl who runs away from home to Hollywood to seek a better life and winds up dancing in a notorious burlesque theater run by a badass take no shit lady, aka Cher. So there's that. We can definitely draw similarities from the most rudimentary form of plot points there. I can see it. And it's interesting to think that, you know, Tempest may have been the original inspiration there. In 2012, musician Jack White, one of my favorites released his green series of vinyls, one of which included an interview with Tempest Storm called Advice for Young Women. It also includes a moving picture disc on the vinyl so you can watch Tempest dance while you listen to the interview take place. In 2016, a documentary came out simply called Tempest Storm. I highly recommend you watch it if for nothing else but all the beautiful unseen footage and photographs of Tempest. Also just to hear Tempest speak her own mind in her own words. It has a really strong focus on family and her world outside of the stage, but you also really get a sense of her character and I just love her. So go stream Tempest Storm, the documentary. That can be your homework for this week. Yeah, Tempest has just celebrated her 93rd birthday. Although because she's born on a leap year, she'll proudly assure you she's still in her early 20s and she currently lives in Las Vegas, Nevada. She's still going. She's still feisty as ever. She still embodies pure glamour. She has her huge red hair and her gorgeous gowns, even when she's, you know, out at the diner having a bite to eat. She is one of our last living legends. She is pivotal to the world of not just burlesque, but erotica and pop culture as well. And not many people get to sleep with Elvis and JFK either. So I know that's not entirely relevant, but I'm still, you know, secretly very impressed. She's an absolute treasure. And yeah, that's our beautiful Tempest Storm. I hope you learned something there. Um, once again, do check out the Burly Cares website and see the fundraiser that they are doing for Tempest at the moment. 
Thank you all for listening. Thanks for tuning in. I'm done. I'm going to sign off right now. I hope you all have a gorgeous week. Message me any feedback. Let me know what you think of the show. Let me know if there's any topics you'd like me to cover. I'm always looking for suggestions from you listeners. I want to hear them. Until next week, pay for your porn. Do not fake your orgasms. And I will see you next Tuesday.